we invite you to discover the next 100-day challenge, The Backstory. Well, good morning. All of you who are here or watching online, it's so good to be with you on this last weekend of 2020. I'm sure some will rejoice in that, but it, we'll get to that in a moment. But my goodness, what a year it's been. We've seen ups, we've seen downs, we've seen everywhere in the middle, and some have had great triumphs this year, but so many have had so many struggles and challenges. And as we'll see in just a moment, hopefully we learn from those struggles and challenges, and they're not all for nothing. Because if 2020 was for nothing and we forget about it and move on, it was actually a waste of a year. Because we have the opportunity to learn and to grow and actually to make 2020 part of our backstories, part of who we are, and to take the things we've learned. I was just talking before the service. We've learned how to use technology in brand new and different ways. All of a sudden, we know how to use Zoom or Google Hangout or whatever you use to your advantage as opposed to just something that's out there. We've had to learn to persevere through difficult times. So many of you have had struggles, struggles, struggles and, and you haven't known what to do with them this year, but it's through this year that you found out that you could handle more than you ever thought. And if you forget that and leave it in 2020 and move on without ever thinking about it again, that would actually be a crime. As hard as 2020's been, we need to look back and maybe even take a notebook today, tomorrow, or before the end of the year exactly happens and remember all the good things the blessings, the opportunities to grow, the things you want to take from 2020 and make part of your story into the future. That would be a beautiful way to end this year. A beautiful way so it's all not for nothing, but it's really an investment in who you are in 21 and 22 and years to come. I know I've looked at 2020 already and I've thought of things that have been foundational for who I am and who we are as a family. And I hope you do the same. Because as we're going to talk about the backstory of the Old Testament, we all have backstories. We all have things about us that are in our past, whether from when we were an infant all the way up to who we are now, that form and make us who we are. Uh, I'll never forget when I started dating Holly. We've been married roughly 20, well, it was 21 years in October, so over 21 years. And over that time, we've continued to learn about each other's backstories. Any married couple will tell you, never truly learn your spouse. But in that first year or so of dating, boy, did we learn a lot about each other. Do you remember those times, late night phone calls, going to a local coffee shop, doing whatever it took to spend time together, learning and hearing and understanding where that person came from. I learned that Holly, about her family, I learned she was one of two children. She was the youngest. I'm one of two, and I'm the oldest. And that's been a fun dynamic through our marriage, is you have a youngest child and an oldest child. I think oldest are better anyway, but we'll do that for another time. She would disagree. I, I learned how she's an incredible organizer. I, I saw that early when we were dating, and boy, has that played out in our lives. In our house, every, I'm not exaggerating, Everything has its place. Everything. Our children have their place. And if anything's out of place and you're not using it, it's not long before you're either told or asked, probably a better way to say it, to put it back where it belongs or it just mysteriously ends up back where it should be. Our kids used to have a joke that if they didn't play for a toy long enough, it was probably sold or gone or given away. 
because things just don't sit around our house very long. And that's part of who my wife is. That's part of her backstory that influences who we are today. Holly learned that I love everything outdoors, whether it be hiking or biking or skiing or, or whatever. Put me outside just about any day of the year. It could be like this, and I'm, I'm in heaven when I'm outdoors. She learned that I, I love all things Buffalo sports, especially the Bills. And my goodness, what a journey we're on right now. She learned about my family of origin and all the things that go into making up a family. In fact, as we dove into each other's family of origin, it helped us to understand each other more clearly. In fact, recently, Holly and I did the Myers-Briggs. And if you've never done that, it's a personality inventory where you start to really learn about yourself and the way you tick. And it's measured. There's eight different letters. And I could draw it all out and show you. But just know this. You can be opposite or the same in each of the four main categories. And we were opposite in everything. We used all eight letters. We were total opposites. But somehow it works. I guess opposites do attract but as we learned each other's backstories, we began to appreciate who we were. Holly also learned something she never thought she would learn. She learned that I love Star Wars. And right now, that's sort of a thing again. I can't believe it. It hasn't gone away. I remember in 1977, I don't know how I remember this, but in 1977, when the first Star Wars movie came out, I saw it in the theaters. I remember this as a four-year-old. I don't know how but it must have imprinted on me somehow because I remember the struggle with good and evil and Luke and I wanted to be Luke Skywalker. I'm sure many in their 40s or 50s, when you were a kid, you had the same thought. I wanted my own X-wing fighter. I wanted to fly it all over town, the grocery store, school. I wanted to be like Luke. In fact, I ended up getting a plastic, a toy X-wing somehow over Christmas or something, and I saved it until my son appreciated it. Well, maybe he really didn't appreciate it because shortly after he got it, he broke a wing off my 30-year-old X-wing fighter. That was a sore spot in my Star Wars history. But it wasn't until 1999 when the next series of movies came out and The Phantom Menace when I began to understand Luke's backstory where Darth Vader came from, how in Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, the Clone Wars, and now even the Mandalorian, how it all fits together. And if you really want to understand the Mandalorian, you've got to go back and experience all of it so it makes sense. Our backstories matter. And in fact, as we dive into the Old Testament and talk about the backstory of the New Testament, it matters. Why do we need a Savior? Why did Jesus need to come to this world? Why was the world in such chaos where that was God's best and only answer? Well, as you read the Old Testament, you figure those things out. You see it play out. You see how God has a chosen people who had struggle after struggle. They had triumphs and struggles. They were up and down all the time. And you see how they're, through their journeys through, through life and through time, that it was obvious that a savior needed to be born to save them, to rescue them, to bring them from where they were to where God wanted them to be. And as we read the Old Testament together, you will understand our need for a savior maybe more clearly than you ever have before. It'll be so obvious to you why Jesus had to come as you pour over the Old Testament. The Old Testament comprises, or is made up of 39 books, 39 separate books, many uh, by different authors. There's some authors who have some multiple books, but many different authors. The first five are referred to as the, book of, the books of Moses or the books of the law. 
The next 12 are the historical books, followed by the five wisdom books, the major prophets, and then the minor prophets. And through our journey together, you will experience all of them. I'll talk about this more in a moment, but as you walk out of the room today, or if you're online, you can download this directly from our website. We've put together a reading plan, a plan that will start next Sunday on the 3rd and take you through huge sections of the Old Testament. Now, we could have been really mean to you, and we thought about it. We said we could make them read every word of the Old Testament through this challenge. Well, if we did that, there's so much material and so much to go over and so much that it probably would have bogged us down. So we've selected the high points to to really emphasize what God was doing and what was happening in different time periods throughout our history as, as really the Jewish people and then followers of Christ. So hopefully you'll take one of these as you go. You'll start it next Sunday and you'll go on this journey with us. And again, I'll, I'll talk about more, more about the reading plan in just a moment. But it's possible um, that you never realized how foundational the Old Testament was to what we read in the New Testament, to the life of Jesus. In fact, as we look at the Old, we'll find, um, we'll find references that are made in the New Testament. We'll find prophecies about Jesus. Did you know there's over 300 prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament? 300 opportunities for us to look and see and learn what they were saying about Jesus. In fact, as we just celebrated Christmas, there's a major prophecy found in Isaiah 7:14, which you'll read in week 11 of our journey. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. That was written 700 years before Jesus' birth. 700 years. As you read the Old Testament, it's almost like a where's a, a, a where's Waldo. Do you remember those books where there was all the white and um, red characters all mixed up on a page and you had to find Waldo in the middle of it? As you read through the Old Testament, it will be as if you're finding Waldo as you look for prophecies about Jesus that describe who he is and what he came here to do and details about his life. It'll be, I hope it's encouraging to you as you read through and find those, that it'll bolster your faith. Peter Stoner, in his book, Science Speaks, said it was all but impossible for one man to fulfill all of those 300 prophecies. In fact, he figured it out mathematically and he said it would be one in 100 quintillion chance that one person would fulfill all of the Old Testament prophecies about Jesus. I want you to write out one quintillion right now. Just draw it out. Actually, it's one with 17 zeros after it. It's a huge number. One to the 17th power. It's impossible for anyone to really fill all those Other than Jesus, as we've looked at and scholars have poured over the Old Testament over time and found all the prophecies about Jesus, they found that he answered them all, all the prophecies about the Messiah perfectly. And as we read through and pour over the scriptures, you will find that for yourself. And I'd encourage you as you do so, maybe you have a little notebook and you write down different verses and different um, verses that refer to Jesus. It can be your own Where's Waldo as you plow through it? It will give you a fuller picture of Jesus in the New Testament. Now, this is the hesitation that many have had over time. The New Testament doesn't replace the Old Testament. 
but it stands on top of, and that's why this is so important. Jesus actually said in Matthew 5, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He came to fulfill everything that was written about him for for generations before, for hundreds of years before. He, He came to fulfill every bit of it. And as you read through, you will see that's exactly what happened. Often as followers of Christ, we don't focus much on the Old Testament. We, get, we do read the scriptures, hopefully, and you do read the New Testament. But as we go on this journey, maybe you'll be like King Josiah. King Josiah became king of Judah when he was eight years old. Can you imagine being a king at eight? His father was assassinated and he found himself in, in line to be king. And for the next 31 years, he ruled, after, uh, ruled over Judah. He was a righteous king. And actually, his name is mentioned in Matthew's genealogy of Jesus. So he had a prominent role in Jesus' genealogy. He was a king who did right in the eyes of the Lord. In fact, 2 Kings 2.22 refers to him as this. He said, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. He was a good king. And as we'll see later in this series, not all the kings were good kings. Not all of them followed the ways of the Lord. Not all of them did the things that God would have them to do. And as a result, that's why the nation of Israel had these ups and downs. Because not all kings were equal. But Josiah, Josiah was different. He was different. He had a soft spot in his heart for God and the ways of the Lord. Even before he experienced or read the word of God, he was a righteous king. And then at the age of 26, his life transformed. He was already good. He was already doing good things. But something transformed in his heart when he read the word of the Lord for the very first time. It was as if a good person was made great by what he read. You see, at this point, when he was 26, he saw that the temple was in disrepair. You know, it was an ugly scene. There was idol worship happening in the temple. It was, it was starting to crumble. And Josiah said, we need to do something about this. So he sent his servants to the temple to talk to the chief priests and they, to collect the offering and then to hire the laborers who were going to do the work. Josiah saw it as a top priority to get the central piece of the the Jewish world back in order, the temple. And we'll pick the story up in verse 8 of 2 Kings 2.22. Sorry, 2 Kings 22, verse 8. Hilkiah the high priest said to Saphon the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan who read it. They found the book of the law hidden in the temple. Josiah's eyes had never seen it. His mind had never conceived what was written in it. And this day changed all of that. The secretary went to the king and reported, your officials have paid out the money. They've hired all the laborers. Oh, and by the way, we found something in the temple. Verse 10. Then Saphan the secretary informed the king, Hilkiah the priest gave me a book, and Shaphan read it 
read from it in the presence of the king. Buried in the recesses of the temple in some storage room or somewhere where nobody had seen it for generations were the scrolls of the book of the law. The scrolls that, that shaped the world of, of the Jewish people that had been long forgotten. And in the absence of those scrolls and of those words, the nation had gone astray. It was, it was peeling off from where God would have it go. And it was living a life of sin and idol, idolatry. It was doing what was right in its own eyes until this very day. It would be like a church like ours or any church you can imagine who forgot all about their Bibles. And maybe they put them in a storage room and locked them up because they didn't want to follow what they were saying anymore. And then maybe a few generations later, somebody unlocks that door. They go in and find the Word of God, the holy, inspired, God-breathed Word of God. And maybe it would be like a church opening it for the first time and reading the words that are written and those words sinking deep into our hearts, convicting us, showing us, just laying out for us the things that we've done that are contrary to God's will. That are, that are different than our intended purpose in this world. That's exactly what's happened here. Josiah heard the words of the scriptures for the very first time in his life. And in a moment, we'll see the difference it made. The word was discovered. The word of God was discovered. It was an unbelievable scene. And maybe for some of us, throughout the 100-day challenge, that we'll, we'll have a similar, a similar feel, that the word will be discovered for you, maybe for the first time. Maybe you've left it. Maybe you intend to read it every day. I, I know many of us have maybe three, four or more Bibles at home on shelves that maybe are getting a little dusty. Maybe you're not cracking into it the way you should. And because of that, you know, you, you don't intend to do it, but it just happens. Life happens. 2020's been a hard year. We've been distracted. There's a lot going on. And maybe the word is a priority to you or was at some point, but it's faded a little. And maybe just like Josiah, this is an opportunity for you to rediscover the word of God. Or maybe... You've never picked it up at all, much like Josiah. This 100-day challenge could transform your life. As for the first time, you, you pour over the scriptures, you learn from them, you absorb them into your heart. As the word was absorbed by Josiah, maybe it will be for you too. Let's see what happened to Josiah as he absorbed the word of God. Verse 11 of King, 2 Kings 22. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. Now to you and me, that doesn't mean much. But back in this era, that was huge. What it's saying is the king repented. He saw the error of his ways. He saw the error that Judah, of Judah's ways. And he repented. He fell on his face. I imagine he was on his hands and knees crying out to the Lord, ripping his clothes, knowing that they had gone astray. 
as his heart absorbed the words he was reading. The word was absorbed. And then he repented. He knew they'd gone astray and he repented. You know, any of us, we know things in our lives that we need to repent from. As parents, there's many opportunities to repent as we raise our children. You've probably experienced many of those, and I had one not long ago. Through this pandemic, um, my kids have sort of had free reign on their electronics. Prior to the pandemic, we had it buttoned down. We were tight. Like I said, my wife, everything's in order. So they had an hour a week, and then they had weekends. That was our rule. But that's gone out the window. And in most times during the day, and my kids will maybe kill me for saying this, you can find them on, you know, doing whatever they're doing on their devices. Well, I'd had enough a few weeks ago. Do you ever get that way? You see something, like I said, I'm an outdoors person. I like being active and moving and engaged in things of the world. And I just couldn't take seeing my kids on their phones or their iPads as much as they were. So I lost it one night. I, I confess. I lost it. Not that I was threw anything around the house, but I, was, I took the devices, I sort of put them off to the side, I said, now, go do something. I don't care what you do, just do something. And I was probably a little harsher than that. I was a little harsher than that. And shortly after, I mean shortly, like five minutes after, my wife came up to me and said, what are you doing? What are you doing? You just said this, this, and this. And how's that helpful? And we just had this conversation. Do you like, if you're anything like me, you do not like when somebody puts their finger on something you just said that isn't quite right. So I pushed back a little bit and said, no, they need to be outside. She said, where are they going to go? What are they going to do? And we had a discussion and I got to the place where I had to go and seek forgiveness from my kids. I had to repent of my attitude and the way I came across. Have you been there? It's not a very comfortable place to be, especially when it's with your kids. But sometimes it's the exact right thing to do. To admit you've been wrong and to ask for forgiveness. And that's exactly what Josiah was doing. He knew he was wrong and he was asking for forgiveness. He saw the error of his ways and he knew he had to repent and tear his clothes and leave all behind that was encumbering him. What he did next was he sent some messengers to the prophetess. There was a prophetess nearby, and a prophetess or a prophet would hear from God and be able to interpret things of God. So Josiah knew this, so he sent some folks to her to inquire to see what they should do next. What was going to happen to Judah? What were the consequences of their sin and their actions and all that was happening? 2 Kings twenty-two thirteen. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for all the people and all of Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us. He saw as he read the scriptures that the Lord's anger can burn and when that happens, it can, it can be ugly. And he knew that was the potential for Judah. He knew the potential existed for the Lord's anger to rest on them. He was waiting on pins and needles for the response. He was waiting for the messengers to return. I'm sure he had guards looking out, just waiting on the horizon to see if they were coming. It's sort of like any of us when you wait for the results of a biopsy or your college acceptance letters 
or when you have a sick loved one that you really can't get in to see right now because of all that's happening in our world. We can relate to waiting and waiting. On Monday, I had to drop my dad off at the hospital for surgery. I dropped him off on the curb at Mercy Hospital. I picked him up Tuesday. It was such a surreal experience, not having any knowledge or information or really knowing what was happening. And Josiah waited like many of us are waiting for many different things. And then the messenger returned. And his response was incredible. 2 Kings 22, verse 19. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord, and because you tore your robes and went and wept in my presence, I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your ancestors and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I'm going to bring on this place. The Lord honored Josiah's repentance. He honored it. He saw the difference that made when, when Josiah saw the word, when he read it, when he absorbed it, he saw the change it made in his heart. And he honored that. He read the word and it did something in him that he never dreamt. It pointed out his issues, the shortcomings, the sin in his life, sort of like Holly did for me and I'm sure others have done for you or the word has done for you in your past. Josiah began to understand things in a whole different way. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's what you can expect when you read the word of God. That's what happened to Josiah. That's what will hopefully happen to all of us through this 100-day challenge. That as we read together, as we learn together, as we grow together, we'll be transformed together as a church, as a family. <laughs> it changed the course of Josiah's life and it just might do the same from us. We can learn a lot from Josiah. He discovered the word, he absorbed the word and that what he did next is what I hope happens to all of us. He lived out the word. You see, what he did next was really remarkable. He gathered all the people of Judah to the temple. It says all the people from the least to the greatest, from the servants to those who had everything they ever wanted. He got them all together. And then he, he did this. The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commandments, statutes, and decrees with all his heart and all his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in the book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. Josiah lived out what he read. It just wasn't an academic exercise where he learned more, he got more knowledge. He actually put that knowledge, the word, into practice in his life. And he, he, he did incredible things. 
You see, in the temple up until that point for a couple of kings, there was idol worship that happened right in the temple where they worshipped Baal and Venus and the sun. He cleared all of those idols right out of the temple. He took them out and, and disposed of them. He said, this is God's house. And he did not waver on that. He removed idolatry from all of Judah as best he could, from, from one end to the other. All the priests who were worshiping false gods and idols, he took all their power away and made them pretty useless. The old places of worship to all the idols, he desecrated those so they were useless and the people could see there was one true God. Not all the idols they worshiped. He discovered the word, he absorbed the word, and then he lived it out. He lived it out. Author and one of my favorite authors and theologian N.T. Wright wrote these words about idol worship. Idols get their power because humans, in sinning, give it to them. Deal with sin and the idols are reduced to a tawdry heap of rubble. Deal with sin and the word and the world will glorify God. Do you see what he wrote? When we take these idols, when we take these things that we worship, maybe unintentionally, but when we take away their power, when we confess our sin, God will be glorified. What idols are we worshiping? You know, I, this was a hard question for me over the last number of years. And one of mine, I realized this recently, and it was painful, was status. And as a pastor, that's a tough idol. As, as a pastor, I always wanted what other people had, whether it be material goods or, or spirit. It was just this ugly place. And if a friend got a car, I was like, wow, I will never have that. You know, and it's just this place of, of pain and despair because I would never achieve with other people, nor should I. But as I dealt with that and I put that off to the side and I didn't value status, I said, Lord, this is a sin at the core of who I am. Remove this from my very presence. I found freedom because I was no longer bound by that idol, by that sin. And I don't know what your idol is. Maybe it's more money. Maybe it's, you know, you, you fill in the blank for yourself. I know one idol that exists, and this one's a tough subject to bring up, especially with what's happening in our area right now. But a lot of us idolize sports and athletes. And, and actually, you know, I'm, I'm as big a football fan as anybody in the room right now. But sometimes, did you ever see this happen? We put football above God? Anyone ever see that? It will always let us down. And the sooner we can realize the sin of idolatry in so many areas of our life, and in particular that area, we can glorify God in a whole new and free way. And God will never let us down. We need to put our worship in the correct place and idolize the things that make sense. And the only thing that makes sense is God. Josiah realized this and he rid the whole kingdom of every idol. He, he turned the attention back to the one true God. The word transformed his heart and his mind and sin became just this awful, abhorrent thing to him. And as you spend time in the word and growing and learning, the same will happen to you, to me, to us as a church. 
and we will no longer value and want the things of this world, but like Josiah, we will begin to want and strive for and only accept God and put him in his proper place in our hearts and our lives. Josiah had true zeal for the Lord. He was driven by a right motive. He guided himself strictly by God's word and directed his efforts to execute God's will. He worked hard to purify his life and the land from all idolatry. And as he did, he found the Lord's favor. The word of God transformed Josiah's life. And it'll do the same for you. It will point you to Jesus. The Old Testament, the New Testament, as you read all of it, it's really the story of God's plan for humanity which culminates with his son coming to this world and doing all that Jesus did so that he can die for our sins. The whole of this book points to that event. And as we read it, as we absorb it, as we live it out, we'll better understand the implications of what it means to truly follow Jesus with all of who we are, our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. So here we are on the brink of our second 100-day challenge as we dive into the Old Testament. This is what we ask for all of us to do. They get you get your hands on one of these reading plans. Now, if you're in the room right now, they're located at the tables around the room. You can walk out with a hard copy. If you're online, if you go to our website, right on the front page, there's a button that says 100-day challenge. If you click on that, there's a downloadable version of this. So you can start um, looking at it even today if you want. But this is what I hope you do. Over the next 100 days, you carve out, maybe it's only 15 or 20 minutes, but that might be a, a huge amount of time for you if you're not used to it. But you carve out time every day and you read the scripture that we have listed on this. As you do that, as you spend time daily reading and letting it sink into your heart, you will build a habit. A habit that will hopefully last well beyond the 100 days of this challenge. And will be some, become something that you cherish Every day. Listen for God to speak to you. Look for the 300 plus prophecies in the Old Testament that point to Jesus. Look for them. Understand them. And see, and maybe do it for the first time ever. See how Jesus fulfilled all of them. We have some classes that we're offering also. Here at McKinley in Bayview, we're offering at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings, starting next Sunday, a 100-day challenge class just down the hall. And in that class, you'll go through um, the readings for the week, and it'll be brought to life for you in a, in a different way. There's a limit to 50 people to attend that class because we're trying to space ourselves out as best we can. So you need to go to that same button on the red website to register there. At Springville's on Monday evenings, um, once a month-ish, you know, you can look at the frequency on the website. We're going to have a similar class. Again, there's a limit of 50 people, so you need to register. Um, you can do so right now. If you want to get in on either of those, I'll let you get to your phone and, and do what you need to do. But there's also a Zoom class that can have as many people as choose to be a part of it. That's going to be at Tuesday evenings at 7 o'clock starting January 5th. And again, you can go to the website to register because they'll send you the Zoom link so you can participate with that. Maybe your community group, you're looking for the next thing to do. I know my group, starting um, when this begins, we're going to go over the 100-day challenge. We're going to dive into it. 
read it, see how it changes our hearts, and as a group, talk about the things we've learned so that we can grow and mature and, and, and really embrace what the Old Testament has for us. And through this series, this is one of the coolest parts that might not seem really important right now, but as it goes on, you will see the importance of this. We will give you a tool through the entirety of the series that you'll be able to explain the movements of the Old Testament very quickly. Actually in a drawing where you'll be able to draw out the major movements and themes of the Old Testament so you can explain it to other people. You can explain the journey that God had his people on throughout history. As you discover God's word and absorb God's word and live out God's word, your life will be transformed. As you explore God's word and you learn more about Jesus and the difference he can make in your life and the difference he made, has made throughout history, it will transform your life. I can't say it enough. The word of God made a huge impact on Josiah's life. It changed everything about him. The way he thought, the way he acted, it changed the way God viewed Judah. And as you dive into the word, as you absorb it into your heart, it will do the same. It'll change you from the inside out. It'll change your desires and your wants and line them up more accurately with what God would have for you. So join us on the journey. Grab this on your way out today or download it. And starting next week, we'll jump into this in earnest as we see what the Lord has for us through the Old Testament. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for this morning. In Josiah's life, we see somebody who had a heart that was soft for you. But then as he read the word and as he understood it, his life was transformed. Something happened in him when, he, when the words that you have given us just penetrated his heart and it transformed his behavior. Father, I pray the same for us that as we jump into your word and maybe verses we've never read before, that you would impact our lives. You would inform our behavior, our actions. You would show us Jesus through the Old Testament readings. You would make his story become more alive to us. We thank you for times like this where we can be in your presence and learn together. And I ask that over the next hundred days, that you would change our hearts. We thank you for this time and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.